You're listening to Siren Radio with me, Andrew David. It's that time of the month. It's the first Wednesday of the month, or of course it might not be if you're listening to the repeat or the podcast, but it is the first Wednesday of the month when we're recording this at five minutes past 11. What are we recording? Well, we are welcoming star of stage, screen and Channel 5 mega documentary on the big winter of 1963. Our friend and colleague, John Ketley, welcome to Siren Radio. Hello again, Andrew. Well, you've built me up and now you're going to knock me down, I expect, in some not, way. Not at all. <laughs> we're just going to tease because you and I have had a little pre-chat about it and we're going to talk about the documentary, which is still available on, I think it's called My Five Catch-Up, so you'll it be is. able to see it because uh, that's actually the way I had to see it because it clashed with something else. And when we tried to do plus one, it only recorded the last 10, 10 seconds. So I have watched <laughs> it on Catch-Up. We're going to talk about that after our musical break. Um, but let's look at the... The weather has been almost as extraordinary as geopolitical things happening across Europe, of which we're not going to mention because obviously for all sorts of reasons we can't refer to them. But the weather has been interesting. Well, as ever, Andrew, it's been topsy-turvy and all over the place, really. Uh, the details for February are not all in yet because we, we're talking now on the second of the month and it takes a few days for every bit of detail to come in, all the statistics and such like. So I can't say it was the driest this, the wettest that or anything else at this stage. I'm, I'm going to come on with some details of February as far as I can see them. Uh, but first of all, I'm just going to spend a few seconds talking about what happened over 2021 uh, because you might think that's gone into history now. But when you look at the details month by month and uh, season by season. There were one or two interesting facts, a few interesting factoids. Uh, the, the thing that stands out to me in this time of uh, global warming and how everything's going in the same exponential direction, uh, that the UK annual mean temperature was 9.3 degrees throughout the 12 months, which is 0.1 degree above average. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? So is that significant? Well, to me, it's not. So uh, January was the coldest month. Uh, since March 2013. There we are, that's booking the trend straight away. Mm -hmm. April saw the greatest number of air frosts, that books the trend as well. Uh, number of air frosts uh, were greater in April than they had been for 60 years. Uh, we had a hot spell in the middle of summer, of course, which um, didn't amount to a great deal. It, it was hot for a while and it was uh, record heat in some, some places, but 13th to the 26th of Ju July was the time when it got really hot and the temperature reached 32 degrees, but that wasn't exceptional. Uh, but it was just a nice hot spell. Uh, but apart from that, there wasn't much very good uh, summer weather. Uh, but if you look around at different parts of the country, it, in actual fact, when you look at the rainfall, the western half of Scotland had a dry year. Many northern and western areas had sunnier skies than normal. And then the Midlands, southeast England and east Anglia were duller than average. So all that is contrary to what the IPCC will be telling us and have been telling us for the last 25 years, about how a typical UK is going to pan out each year in the coming decades. The, the, thought, the theory is that it's going to be windier, stormier and wetter in the northwest of the UK. You'll have more droughts, drier and sunnier weather in the southeast. So that didn't happen in 2021, but I'm going to admit straight away you can't take one year in isolation. Yeah. We know that perfectly well. It's a chaotic world out there, the weather. And uh, when it's chaos theory, you're always going to see it uh, ebbing and flowing, ups and downs, troughs and, and ridges and all this kind of thing. It's just that the general scenario is, as the IPCC says, uh, that we are going to get wetter and stormier the further northwest you go. But 2021 wasn't like that at all. Um, the driest months were April and November. It was a fantastic April for the second year running, because if you remember, 
who entered the lockdown the year before 2020 and mm. um and then went dry fantastic. spell yeah yep. a brilliant spell didn't we for how much of that i mean thank goodness it was it did help uh but um so we've had two really good aprils on the bounce and then november was dry as well in 2021 the uk annual rainfall was uh 93 percent of the 1991 to 2020 average so it was a drier year despite the fact that it's supposed to be a wetter year the warmer year the warmer weather is supposed to bring more rain that's what they say and it's it's only a few years ago two or three years ago we've had situations like the um the flooding around Doncaster South Yorkshire wasn't it at mm -hmm. um, Fish Lake and um you know that's where houses are being built on uh, on boggy ground clearly because it's called Fish Lake and also we had that dam up at Whaley Bridge, which was bursting its banks just a few years earlier uh, because of torrential rainfall as well during the earlier months. So it hasn't been as dry. It hasn't been as wet, I should say. It's been drier overall in 2021. Uh, but um, yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting year in a sense. But if you put it all together, it turns out to be pretty average and boring, not, I was, not too extreme. Exactly. And, you know, what we as uh, news editors do is when that report comes out, we send our junior reporters out to do things like call Vox Pops, Voice yep. of the People on the street. And I bet... And I've been sitting here thinking about last year. Everybody will say, well, we had weather, but it wasn't one thing or the other. It was, <laughs> yeah, it was a completely, well, yeah, we, it was completely average. <laughs> now, the thing that really um, kicks IPCC sort of in the teeth is this 2.5 uh, global warming thing. And we yeah. only ended up with 0.1. Okay, statistically, one year is, is not, you, mm. you can't reference it. No, you can't. But the whole drive towards us being more aware of our surroundings and energy conscious great but they're not being backed up by the figures at no. the moment so they have a, a bit of a pr problem don't they well the, the um the fact that we're getting this extreme weather in different parts of the world is a bit of a fallback so we've had this uh, terrible terrible flooding at the moment over in parts of New South Wales in Australia. And a lot of people have died, I think, in the last two or three days, haven't they, over there? So we've seen this extreme weather in different parts of the world and uh, over in North America too. Bruce will be aware of all that. Uh, so these sort of things are happening, but that's not to say they didn't always happen. Of course they have. Uh, but, uh, you know, if things are pretty mundane from year to year, then uh, we need to fall back onto something that's a bit more extreme and that sort of situation is always going to occur. So... Uh, I don't have an argument with the overall scenario in the next 30, 40, 50, 70 years. Uh, but um, the, the story, when it first came out, after we had that first very warm year in 1998. That's what kicked things in. Yeah. And after 1998, there are all sorts of reports being put out. And um, it was almost as if it was going to be exponential. And that's what I kept saying. And I've said it for many, many years. It isn't exponential. You're not suddenly going to go firing off into oblivion where everything's going to be just like the weather in the Mediterranean for summer after summer. It's not going to be like that. It's absolutely ridiculous. And we'll still have stormy, stormy situations in different parts of the country where you wouldn't expect them to be. And you will get flooding where you wouldn't necessarily expect them to be, but you will get some droughts and you will get some, um, some pretty boring, uh, cold, miserable grey weather, a bit like today, Andrew. I, have to I was say. about <laughs> to say, I'm, at, at quarter past 11, I'm now looking out the window and it's been grey and misty, almost November-like since I woke up and since, since some... It is. It's, it's, it's dreich, I think the, the Scots would say. So you said you haven't got many of the figures in for February, but is there something you can I've give us? I've got a few. Okay. I've got a few. We'll, we can look at February now. Let's just start off in Lincolnshire like we, uh, we always do. The rainfall figures for Lincolnshire were, um, well, they were wet. It was higher rainfall than you normally expect to get because February, let's face it, is the driest, uh, often the driest, <laughs> but it's just definitely the shortest. 
let's stick to what I know about. It's definitely the shortest month of the year. And Scampton got 64 millimetres, as did Cranwell. And Coningsby got 55 millimetres of rain. Wayne Fleet, over there towards the coast, was 73. So you wouldn't think those are huge figures, but actually no. they are, uh, because oh, right. the uh, they are about seventy five percent above average. As much as that, good yeah, grief! Seventy five percent above average. It is a dry month, February. Yeah, yeah. Partly because it's the shortest, but also because February just tend to be statistically always has been uh, one of the driest months because of the way the weather patterns uh, pan out. Really, we we often get influenced by some high pressure, uh, which keeps things drier. Now that's not to say it was. Um, very very wet everywhere but most places did have uh, a wet month and some places were extremely wet let's face it we're going to talk about the usual hot spots aren't we mm -hmm. lake vernway over in wales had 370 millimeters of rain way way <laughs> more than we got well 300 millimeters more than we got yeah and that was two and a half times their average monthly rainfall couple of keurig about one and a half times their average rainfall at 350 millimeters and uh estale muir up in scotland Southern Uplands there, they were 243%, so they got 354 millimetres. And Loch Glascarnock, 254 millimetres uh, as well. So that was very wet. Now, some places, even in Scotland, fared very well. Aboyne, where it's been extremely cold in the past couple of nights, I might say, down at minus eight this morning in Aboyne, uh, in Aberdeenshire, they finished up with a, a, a paltry 46 millimetres in February, obviously influenced by high pressure. Yep. Uh, over there from the Norwegian Sea and into Scandinavia. Uh, so they were one of the driest spots. There weren't many, but that extent of dry weather did push down into northeast England at times. And Loftus uh, near Redcar, although it was 146% uh, their average rainfall, they only got 54. So relatively speaking, that was pretty dry. And then if you look uh, down south a bit, I'll go down to our, um, our usual spots. Uh, Ness haven't got it. They see they're missing at the moment. Her mm. old Ness, they're missing, but they, they were wetter than average, obviously. The, the driest place I could find was over at Portland Bill with 34 millimetres. And that was extremely dry. I don't know why Portland Bill actually managed to miss all the rain, but <laughs> they seemingly did. And Shoreham on the south coast, they were 40 millimetres. That was 80% of average. So parts of the south coast uh, were the ones that did very, very well. I might just add that temperatures were way above two and a half to three degrees in some parts of southern england above average that's the long-term average but that didn't uh, manifest itself over scotland because some places there were barely a degree above and some places like stornoway up in the northwestern highlands there uh, western isles they were only plus 0.2 degrees so it was just average for them and they got 171 millimeters of rain sunshine was overall well it averaged out at uh, as, as ordinary but uh, some places did well other places were pretty bad presswick on the Esher coast they had 68 percent of their average sunshine and yet uh, lucas uh, near dundee they were 134 percent of their average sunshine they did very well they had 106 hours 106 mm, hours is very good in february yeah. it is well you look at you think of 106 hours of sunshine and compare with 20 hours at Tullock Bridge, north of Fort William, you can see where all the rain was, can't you? Oh, yes. It was certainly on the uh, on the rain side of the mountains and the rain shadow over in Dundee and Perth and Kinross, that sort of neck of the woods, Fifeshire. Uh, they did really well. Uh, we had, uh, you know, we don't get sunshine from anywhere else now, but uh, Waddington. And Waddington came up with, uh, just give me 10 minutes and I'll be there. 86, 86 hours, which was only 4% above average. It was nothing. 
So mm. 86 hours of sunshine, 4% above average. Uh, oh, Wittering was also 84 hours of sunshine. 84, they were 1% above average. <laughs> Quite interesting. Uh, but um, yeah, it wasn't the most exciting month for getting out to get your vitamin D. I think we're still looking at the packages that come through the post. We certainly now. are, yes. <laughs> Wattisham. Uh, Wattisham, they, had, they did all right. They're 21% more than normal. Now, that's over in Norfolk, isn't it? Suffolk. Suffolk, uh, Suffolk area of East Anglia. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. So I say all the figures are not in yet, but I think um, you look at it and say, well, the first half of the month, I'm going to come on to a few bullet points in a sec, uh, but uh, it got wilder, didn't it? it got I was about to say half of the month. Yeah. Re, yeah. And that there's an expression that one of your colleagues used that I'm going to ask you about that happened in the middle of the Atlantic. But I'm sure you're going to come on to it. Um, so I'll, I'll let you carry on with your the wild and the um, very unpredictable. You weren't talking about the bomb, were you? Not that, uh, no, I can't. I'm trying to. It's some sort of barometric pressure thing that well, is, developed... that's the bomb. That is oh, well, the bomb. Yeah, yeah. They, I thought they called it something something else, but yes, it's it's that well, that it's, huge uh, change in the in the Middle Atlantic. Yeah, massive cyclogenesis, probably. That was, like that was it. Cyclogenesis. Cyclogenesis. Yeah, these are all words that we weren't supposed to use on television and radio. In oh, but, but it's lovely. It gets us awfully excited. <laughs> Does it? Wait, got me excited. <laughs> I thought people turned over to watch Simpsons as soon as you hear that sort of thing. But <laughs> and of course, they had some beautiful, fluffy, fair weather cumulus on the opening Indeed. credits, don't they? Anyway. Sorry, yeah. I don't know Cumulus, where we're going. Yes. Yeah, go on. Uh, I'm going to I'm, I'm going to spin back right to the last program now. It's exactly four weeks, and if you remember on that uh, on that morning when we did the program, the afternoon it was uh, I described the weather as uh, pretty mild. Actually, it was about yeah. thirteen or fourteen degrees for most. Uh, just a bit chillier up in Shetland, five degrees there. There was a splash or two of rain about, uh, but it was uh, drier and sunnier, especially in the south of Britain. So it was it's a fairly ordinary but mild, very mild winter's day. It then turned colder on the Friday. Just two days later, we suddenly had some heavy rain and squally winds, and they cleared away from East Anglia and Southern England during the morning, but it brought quite a, quite a bit of rain to many places. Uh, strong winds as well. The winds got up to about 50 to 60 miles an hour across, uh, well, even at Portland Bill down on the south coast, uh, but they got 67 miles an hour, and there was snow in Aviemore, so they got a nice uh, dollop of snow, just a little bit, four or five centimetres, up in, uh, in the uh, Grampians. Uh, by the end of that, that that week. Now, if you take the next two weeks together, comprised one to the 15th, the first to the 15th of February, exactly uh, through to halfway in the month, we only measured 31 hours of sunshine in Lincoln in those mm. 15 days. Rubbish, isn't it? That's, absolutely. That's rubbish. That's yep. absolutely awful. So it just shows you, even though, strangely enough, it got stormier in the second half of the month. We actually got finished up with more sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> we, we were having, we were, we were then on, on course to have 19 to 25 millimetres by the mid, mid part of the month, and temperatures were running at plus 2.3 degrees. The next band of weather which came in, which was pretty stormy, was Storm Dudley. Now, do you remember Dudley? It crashed into... Yep. Um, Scotland and Northern Ireland through the afternoon of the 16th. That was on the following uh, two weeks on, yeah, Wednesday. Now, this Wednesday the 16th. Uh, so that was two weeks ago, and it crashed into there with sunshine and squally showers following on, but it was very mild ahead of it. We were pushing 17 degrees at Pershaw, <laughs> down in Worcestershire, and 16 degrees was recorded at Exeter Airport as well. So it was a very mild day, but those strong winds, they were coming in from the south, and that's why you got this cyclogenesis going on. Dudley was um, incorporating this very warm, well, let's not call it very warm at this time of the year, but unusually 
mild air, let's say that, coming up from the subtropics, probably around about the Azores, between the Azores and Madeira, that sort of area. So very high temperatures were coming up for, for the time of year up into this country. And so we we're getting those high temperatures. It was a storm that was developing because of the contrast between the cold air coming down from the Davies Strait way up northwest of the uh, Atlantic Ocean. So we're getting the contrast between the cold and the very mild. And so the winds by then were up to 81 miles an hour at Capel Curig and 75 miles an hour, not far away at Emily Moor up in West Yorkshire. And the highest gust I found here was 57 miles an hour at Waddington, which is um, stormy enough. We don't like it too stormy. Um, across our flatlands, but they're not flatlands, are they? I don't know why people think Lincolnshire's flat because it's quite nice in the walls. And indeed, it is. Yes. undulating, it, gently it is. undulating, gently undulating, rather than the flatlands. I, I mean, I know it is down towards uh, Wisbeach and all that neck of the woods, down towards Cambridgeshire, but uh, I think we're a bit different the further north you come. Um, I, but that was that was a pretty nasty storm, was Dudley, and uh, and everybody was starting to get very excited because roads were closed. You know things like the Humber Bridge, Fourth Road Bridge, Erskine Bridge. All these bridges were, were having uh, restrictions on them, and uh, because the media got very excited because they, but then we had another storm within thirty six hours, and that was Eunice. Uh, so Storm Eunice came along hard on its heels with this massive cyclogenesis that was still going on, and yet. Even though winds got up to 89 miles an hour down the south coast and it mumbles in southwest Wales, um, the temperature was only 11 degrees in London. That was the top spot. So we were losing the mild air, but the storm had already developed because of that earlier mild warm air. And, and so uh, the storm systems were already getting their energy from elsewhere. So uh, the storm units came out on its heels. Three people sadly died, or three or four, I think, altogether across the whole UK. Uh, as Eunice came through. And then, as if, uh, if it hadn't been bad enough, uh, all that rain was st starting to tot up and the rivers were becoming very swollen. And we had on the between the 20th and 22nd storm Franklin. And uh, the Environment Agency then said that the, uh, the worst of the flooding was across the River Ouse in Yorkshire, where it, uh, it we always see pictures of York, don't we? Yep. Um, uh, with high river levels in, um, I'll tell you a little story. I went up to, <laughs> when I was doing my book, <laughs> about 10 or 11 years ago, uh, I was on the, um, on, on the tour around the country. Well, I just stuck to Northern England and the Midlands, really, in East Anglia. And I went up to York to do a book signing one day. And of course, what would happen, but the river level was very, very high. So I had to have my photograph taken. Next to <laughs> almost, it. Almost with my foot down in the water. Yeah, but, <laughs> you know, York is like that. It's always, ever since I was born, Absolutely. We've seen pictures on the news with the very high flood levels because, you know, you've got about nine rivers coming into the ooze from the Yorkshire Dales. It's hardly yeah. surprising that's an awful lot of water coming down. And it's the same for the, uh, the River Seven over in the West Midlands as well because they get such a lot of water coming off the Welsh mountains. Uh, so high, very high levels. Uh, the River Seven apparently stood at 5.33 metres on the 23rd of February. And they were expecting it to rise a little bit more, but the record wasn't breached. The record stayed intact at 5.56 metres. And that was recorded in that very wet autumn in 2000. Do you remember? Oh, yes. That's when I left the Met Office and went freelance. And coincidentally, it was the wettest autumn on record. Yep, I do remember. <laughs> Since about 1727. No connection, Andrew. No, no, no none at all. And of course, no connection to the fact that uh, my mother-in-law is called Eunice and there was great mirth. Oh, despite, really? and, and sadly, there was loss of life, but there was a bit of mirth to cheer her up um, with uh, the fact that she'd got something named after her. Yeah, um, but what do you think about that? A lot of people in the media by this point were starting to think, well, what are these stupid names? You know, and, and I must admit, when you look at our names that have been 
they've been named through uh, the public writing into the Meteoran over in Ireland. Yep. Uh, they are supposed to be suggested names from the public, and then the Met Office sift them out and, and come up with one name for each letter uh, for the season. But if you look at our names and compare them with the American names, which are also designated early in the year, but I think they're done by Miami, and I should think the public doesn't have any involvement. I don't know for definite. Uh, but our names do look rather strange in comparison. Well, especially uh, Dudley. Well, Dudley is Dudley, and Eunice. But Eunice is, you know, my mother-in-law is in her eighties, so it's mm. it's a name from a past generation. Mm. And Franklin, why didn't they just call it Frank? Well, yes, that's right. Um, they are odd. Do, do you know what the next one is? What's the Gladys. G? Gla Gladys. Gladys. You yeah. are joking. No, Gladys. because that's my nickname for my mobile phone. I call my mother. Oh, really? <laughs> Only because um, I, when I was teaching students about the person on the street, I'd say, you need to go and talk to somebody called Gladys. She's waiting at a bus stop. She's just been <laughs> shopping in the city centre. So, yeah. you know, all my uh, audio devices have suddenly picked up the fact that everything has to be called Gladys, bizarrely. I don't understand really? the... And the next one's that... Herman, by the way. Her, as in... Herman. Herman Munster. Or Herman. Ah, you see, now you see, this is an age thing at which we'll take us in a moment to talking about <laughs> 1963 Herman's Hermits. And Herman's Hermits, that's right. You yeah. see, that's what I'm seeing. Even but though it's noon. <laughs> yes, he was. Let's not go there. Uh, so so it's interesting. It, it's a game of two halves, isn't it? You talked about last year, 2021, being just ordinary. And then yeah. looking at last month. Um, you look back at it, and yes, there were the peaks and troughs, but overall, uh, you know, what are people going to think about February? Well, you yeah. say it was wetter. Um, I yeah. actually don't seem to recognise it as being wetter because the, the fields and the, uh, the footpaths I walk on have not been as claggy and as waterlogged for the last four weeks as they have been in previous winters. So No, no we've had very wet winters in the past, of course. I think probably because January was dry, wasn't it? And it, they could absorb the, the yeah. extra, extra wet. You know, our friend Nicholas Watts over in the Deepings, who Indeed. has a farm over there, and he sends in uh, his meteorological figures every month. Well, obviously, I haven't got February's yet. He hasn't uh, totted them up. I got the January figure shortly after the last programme, and he said that his January was the driest while he'd been taking records. That's 50 years. Goodness. And he reckoned from the uh, drainage people in that area that it was probably the driest January since 1880. So I think that's helped a lot. Goodness. Yes. Yeah. So that was January. I suppose it had to rain, didn't it? You know, this isn't this just the way that our weather works? It balances itself out. It balances itself so, out. Have anyway, you ever said that before? Yeah, no, I doubt it. It's. It, I, I'd have to go back and check our records back to 1880. It could I'm, take a while. Yeah. Give us a tune, and then we, we can talk about you being a super mega star on Channel 5. Oh, thank you very much. Well, because we're, uh, we're dating back in time at the moment and have been for most of the programme so far, I've gone a long way back with this track. It's by Ossie Bisa, and it's called Sunshine Day.
probably dates back to about the 70s or early 80s i'm not exactly sure but i believe they're, they're still touring uh, be surprised. Still probably probably still 
playing Sunshine Day. And it's a belting track. I can remember be doing uh, doing the jock thing when I was a young jock at BBC Radio oh, Nottingham. Yeah. And that was one of those yeah. lovely tracks where, you know, it was, it was either Happy Day by Edwin Starr or the one by Yossi oh, yeah. But there's, some, there's a bit of irony in choosing that one, of course, because yesterday yeah. was a gloriously sunny day, not a cloud in the sky yesterday. Today. today we've got all this clag yeah uh, but t- things will improve let's not talk about the clag but let's talk about the amazing performance that you and an august company including people like gloria hunter hunniford and um uh, other lumley. joanna lumley uh, john craven john craven um who i i met and appear on television with uh, but let's not go there because this is your show not my show there you were, surrounded by a wonderful setting with a very glowing, radiant tie, bringing <laughs> us um, news of, of the big freeze of 1963. Um, and it really brought everything back to me. My feet ached after I'd watched it, because I think we've talked in the mm. past about this this one, because it's the one that you and I remember. We don't remember the, the one in the 40s. Um, no. But... but I remember my Wellington boots being so tight. Every time I went out, my feet ached. Um, mm. But um, it, it triggered a huge number of memories. It must have been great fun to do. Well, it was. Uh, sadly, of course, I didn't meet all the other contributors, which would have been lovely to talk about uh, our own personal memories and, and what you were doing at the time. Uh, but uh, that would have been about a four-hour programme if we started talking together. <laughs> by the cosy fire, uh, then it, it would have been something that would have gone on too long. But it was a production by ITN. And what made it a very clever production was the fact that it wasn't just involving the weather, was it? It was nope. comparing political events through the years as well, like strikes. And the uh, the power workers' strikes of the time were very significant in what happened that year of 62, 63. It made the winter all the more worse uh, because everything conspired against us. If you remember, we were um, coming out of the period when the, um, the smokeless zone thing had kicked in, but uh, yes. that arrived in 1956, but it took years for that really to have any effect. So we still had the very thick smogs right through the 60s, quite frankly, as far as I remember it. And also we were still running steam engines up and down the country. It was before beaching and we hadn't really gone fully diesel, but you couldn't run the diesel trains anyway because of the uh, the diesel freezing in those low temperatures. It was the coldest winter since, you know, I forget what I said, 17-something or 18-something. Uh, so it was a very, very cold winter. It was strange how it all started, really, because we didn't talk about it on the programme, although I did talk about it, obviously, in the interview, but they cut lots of stuff out. We'd had a bout of snow in the southwest of England before the smogs came through in December. So even during November, we had a heavy fall of snow across the West Country. Then we had the smogs. But but interestingly, up in Western Scotland, where it was never as bad as it was further south, strangely, for the whole winter, they actually had one of their sunniest Decembers, I think, on record on the western side of Scotland, right about Stornoway, the Isle of Skye. Uh, that was mentioned, but not put in the programme. So because all the uh, the concentration of the bad weather was down across England and Wales to begin with, northern Scotland, northwest Scotland especially, was was faring very well. It all changed as the, the cold blast came down around the high pressure uh, and a developing low pressure. It was a very intensely developing low pressure, which came down off the Norwegian Sea on uh, Christmas Eve. And that's why Scotland got it first. And Glasgow had its first white Christmas, official white Christmas, since 1938. Goodness. And then that snow ban came all the way down across the country very quickly in the following 12 to 18 hours. So we were all under snow for Christmas Day or Boxing Day at the latest. And it was very, very interesting indeed, because the whole crux of the programme was that mainly we were looking at the Siberian high pressure 
bringing these very, very cold east winds towards us and bouncing off the, uh, the milder air that was trying to get in from the west country off the Atlantic. And every now and again, it did get a little bit further in, say about 80 to 100 miles across the southwest, but then it got pushed back again by the Siberian high. But the whole event, the whole of those 10 weeks of cold weather didn't start that way. It started by a blast of air coming down from the Arctic. Uh, so uh, there's an awful lot of uh, meteorology tied into that, which wasn't shown necessarily on the programme. But, you know, there were so many anecdotes uh, involved with our contributions and other people had their own contributions as well to make i'm sure if they they've been interviewed on the program absolutely it was fantastic absolutely fantastic and michael fish wrote to me just a few days earlier or later i should say a few days ago actually michael said that his first posting within the met office was to gatwick now michael at that time lived in eastbourne i think he's a freeman of uh, eastbourne actually something like that and uh, so his posting was uh, traveling from eastbourne every day up to gatwick and it had to be dug out on Goodness. several occasions because of the heavy snowfall, even down on the south coast. I was about to say, by the coast, is is more unusual. Uh, yeah, it although... is, but the, the fact that the winds were coming off the northeast, it didn't make any difference. It didn't make yeah. a blind bit of difference because the wind was cold, very, very cold, Vicious. coming in from the northeast. It was fascinating. I mean, you look up, you talked about the, the, the Met situation. They actually had some archive footage um, and it is well worth, I cannot recommend more highly going to my five and having a look at it again. It's still there on the, uh, the play again thing. Um, just how um, Heath Robinson, the weather maps were because they went to the yes. Met office yes. and they were hand drawn behind. I mean, the yeah. information he was giving, although he was speaking in a terribly posh sort of way, was exactly the sort of information that you've given us and that you've given us uh, uh, over the last couple of minutes. But they were drawing it with, you know, yeah. it was it was very Heath Robinson. And you well, think, you know, it was. how Somebody did they... Yeah, somebody asked me who the, uh, the the meteorologist was. I didn't know who it was. I hadn't a clue. It's before my time in the office. See, I joined in 1970, and I don't know who that fellow was at all. Michael uh, would but, know. Uh, Michael would probably know. Yes, I should have asked him, shouldn't I? Bless. Uh, but uh, you know, we we reminisced as well about um, how we'd had similar situations, obviously much more short lived, just for a few days, in times gone by. But way after '63, you see, I went mm. down to London in 1985, and Michael had been. Well, he never left the southeast. I don't think he'd ever worked anywhere north of Birmingham Airport. Goodness. Uh, so he's a southeaster through and through. And um, we both reminisced how we'd had horrible snow, even in the London area, during the uh, mid to late 80s and again into the early 90s. So, it, it, yes, it, it wasn't completely um, unusual to have uh, London completely gridlocked with heavy snowfall, but it's the fact that it went on for 10 weeks, really, back in 62, 63, it's such a fantastic programme. And involving the politics of uh, what was going on, I think it made it fantastic. I think it's also worth saying, Andrew, this is a programme that's going to be timeless, and this yes. will be shown again on the, all these other Freeview stations in years to come, Absolutely. and they'll go on forever. I'd, I've done other programmes just like this one, which have been shown uh, 10 years after they were made. Didn't make a blind bit of difference because everything we said was exactly the same. I might just, I'm just going to read out a few lines here from a, another person who wrote to me. He'd seen the programme. And, you know, he's of a certain age. He's probably of our age. <laughs> but that's not to belittle it at all, because uh, everything it's, uh, it says is, well, really what uh, we would agree with. Um, I'm just going to say, he started off by saying that the IPCC, and this is the um, Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, you know, we don't like to bash them too much, but 
everything they say is absolutely genuine, absolutely right. And it's, uh, it's an awful lot of work going into it, a lot of computer power. And, you know, in decades to come, they'll probably be absolutely right. But it's a chaotic society. The, you know, the weather machine is chaotic. It's a chaotic system. It's nonlinear. That's what this uh, email said. And it makes long-term forecasts impossible. Brackets, a statement the IPCC seem to disregard, close brackets. <laughs> um, all talk now is climate change, crisis, catastrophe, etc., etc., as though the climate has never changed before. We are a bit warmer than before the Industrial Revolution, but since that time was colder than the ending around 1350 of the medieval warm period, this does not tell us anything. We've emerged out of that colder period during which weather was often wild, extreme, there were disasters, there were floods, there were heat waves, etc., etc. So we're coming from the same background, I think, really. A little bit of um, facetiousness in, in the comments, just like I would say the same things as well on, on air. Uh, so we're, we're a little bit, a bit naughty in saying these sort of things because it's not the general trend for scientific uh, of the scientific background for decades to come and we will prove to be wrong no doubt but um it, it is not that uh, exponential change in the weather that we've talked about before john i'm looking at the clock and thinking about my wibbly wobbly wi-fi um we've had a fantastic program thoroughly enjoyed it as ever once again that program that john and i've been talking about is still available on my five it's called The Big Freeze, 1963. I'm now actually thinking of a song by Frankie Valli, Oh, What a Night, late September, <laughs> late, late, late <laughs> yes. December, back in 63. So uh, way right. past when the, the Big Freeze was. And in fact, um, Bruce will be laughing because Bruce goes to a coffee shop near him where he often bumps into the one and only Frankie Valli. Anyway, that's by the by. Does um, he really? That's yes, nice, he does. And one of these days, I, I want to get him on our program but that's that's a yet another thing for the future um what i need to ask you now um is could you give us an idea are we going to get rid of this gloom is it going to become a beautiful bright spring-like march because yeah, you know first of march we are meteorologically into spring yes yeah, in like a well it's in like a lamb isn't it really looking yeah, at definitely. that <laughs> out like, in a like a lamb and out like a lion we don't necessarily want that do we uh but um i don't know i've got mixed feelings about how the next four weeks going to pan out uh, I, I can see that tomorrow is going to be a better day there's more wet weather in the west tomorrow uh, drier in the east of the country and then we get some showers as we hit the weekend but it's not going to be particularly warm i think we're looking generally after a milder day tomorrow at temperatures around about eight to ten degrees for the next week okay. not particularly mild at all and what interests me andrew and this is absolutely fascinating is that we've got this huge siberian high pressure developing i wonder whether you were going to talk around. about that <laughs> yeah it's sticking around yep if if that situation was 60 years ago we'd be looking at heavy snowfall mm. we're obviously later in the year now and we've got big areas of low pressure coming off the atlantic and um just the way that things have been everything's warmer than it would have been 60 years ago the ground's warmer and uh, we haven't had any cold snaps really to speak of so it's quite likely, highly likely, that the milder, wetter, windier weather is going to come in from the southwest and uh, completely take charge as we go through the end of next week into the following weeks. So it's more likely than not that we'll see milder, wetter, boring weather, really, uh, windy at times, finishing like a lion. But if this high pressure that's over Siberia and western Russia into the whole of Scandinavia was to intensify and start to spread further southwest, then that could bring just thoughts, just thoughts at this stage, 
that you could be seeing these rain bands turning up and turning into snow across some northern and eastern parts of the UK in particular as we go through to the end of next week. That's just a thought in my mind at the moment. You've got to keep these things in your head. Uh, but uh, generally speaking, because things are different this year to how they were in 63, my money would be on it being milder. John Ketley, thank you so much indeed for being on Siren Radio with your regular look back at uh, the weather past, uh, the weather present and the weather future. John Ketley for the moment, thank you very much indeed for being with us today. Thank you, Andrew.